Hey everyone, welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matt, and things are going to be just a little bit different this week. I have episode 50 in the can and ready to go for you guys, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. I truly am. But we are going to make a little unplanned stop today into my feelings which I can assure you terrifies me as much to say as I'm sure it does you to hear. This last week, my little brother James passed away after a decade-long battle with addiction and struggling with his mental health. I've barely been able to navigate myself through saying that sentence, let alone dealing with the baggage that that sentence carries. All I know is that this shit show, this stupid little project that you are all being kind enough to listen to right now is about my life and how I'm living it, my asshole brain and what's inside of it, plus dick jokes. So I know that I can't not talk about this. I certainly wouldn't dare do anything even close to resembling a tribute of any kind. He would hate that. It would piss him off to no end. But also... I am in no place right now to address grief or healing at all. As a concept, those two things seem like they're light years away. As actual emotions, they are even further. So for today, I wonder if you guys wouldn't mind hanging out with me for a few minutes while I drink some bourbon and just talk to you about my brother. James was born on November 15th, 1993. My mom named him after her favorite old school actor, James Dean. She tried to call him JD for a little while, but thankfully that didn't stick. It didn't suit him at all. When he was a baby, and this is so ridiculous, you know it's true because no one is dumb enough to make this up. The only way that our mom could get him to stop crying or go to sleep was to sing the Brady Bunch theme song to him. He also liked Barney the Dinosaur a whole hell of a lot when he was a kid, for the record. Those were two facts that, when he was very young, I promised I would bring up later when the time was right to embarrass him to no end. And then around when he turned 15 and girls started making an appearance, I made good on that promise so fucking hard that I'm willing to bet you any time he even heard the name Marsha, he got sick to his stomach. When he was a baby... He used to wake my mom up ungodly early in the morning, and she would bring him into my room where he would lay in bed with me while I was half asleep before I would get up and get ready to go to school. It was one of the first times in my life where I became self-aware of a moment enough to remember how it felt and not take them for granted. You know what I mean? As we all got a little older and our youngest brother came around, the three of us were like peas in a pod. Hanging out with the two of them was easily the most fun that I had in my life then. We played Super Smash Brothers a pant load. That's the original Super Smash Brothers on the Nintendo 64, by the way. We didn't have the greatest childhood in the world. There was some serious shit that we all had to deal with, but those Super Smash Brothers days were nothing short of elite. And then later on, 
we had some of those same memories with Guitar Hero. Just sitting around, playing video games, and talking shit with the boys. When he did start making his way to his teenage years on the cross streets of Moody and Acne, he started wearing a lot of black and listening to metal, which sounded so familiar, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. One of the great joys of my life was when he told me he started playing guitar and he sat me down and threw out a bunch of old school 80s Metallica riffs for me. I think he was just as proud that he was able to do that as I was to be able to watch it happen. And the kid was good, man. He he made guitar his passion. I know that when I was that age, playing guitar helped me get through a lot. And I have to imagine it did the same thing for him. And I'm really glad that he had that. There were a couple of golden moments where he and I were able to jam together and being able to play Seek and Destroy and For Whom the Bell Tolls with him was pretty fucking great, man. He was also a little shit, too, because he was so smart. He was too smart, annoyingly smart and damn good at debating topics that he was passionate about. He read a lot of Descartes and two of both our favorites, Nietzsche and Sartre. He definitely started asking some very big questions when he was still very young. And that's also right around when he started being a lot more serious. Nietzsche will do that to you. But whenever he would get together with myself and our other brother, the three of us would always laugh our asses off. That never changed. He would tell us that the two of us could make him laugh more than anyone else. What more amazing compliment could someone give? You know what I mean? I'm glad we were able to do that for him because he had the most beautiful smile. And as sad as I am that more people couldn't see it, I am very selfishly grateful that I was in the audience for so many of them. I'm also grateful for all the places we got to go and the things that we got to do together. There was the legendary one more time trip to Disneyland that was so, so fun. His high school graduation ceremony is one of those you had to be there moments that will make me laugh forever when he got to go to Ghirardelli Square for the first time and realized they had hot fudge sundaes there. The pure elation on his face was electric and infectious. Fun little side fact, by the way, about the metalist dude I've ever met. For as serious, morose, moody, pissy, hardcore, badass, and dark he was, the motherfucker loved rainbow sprinkles. Donuts with rainbow sprinkles, vanilla ice cream with rainbow sprinkles, and he was unapologetic about it. I like sprinkles, so what? I mean, no one can argue that. <laughs> as he got older... I get the feeling that he didn't know quite how to play the shitty hand that he was dealt as a kid. And I think that's when his demons kind of started getting the better of him. Those of us who loved him, and there were many, we did what we could, what we thought was best at the time. And just like everything else on the road that we're traveling, some of those choices were good and some of them not so much. But that doesn't mean that any of us loved him any less. You guys, this is an offensively abridged overview of the childhood that he and I shared and the men that we became. 
but I'm still unpacking a lot of good times and memories and will probably be digging bunches more up over the coming months. I've never lost someone like this or someone this close to me. So I need to proceed with caution because I'm not really sure what happens now. I know that there's lessons to be learned from heartbreak about love, life, loss, about ourselves. And I need to figure out what this moment is trying to teach me to move forward. And I think that's going to take a long time. I tell people very often that for me, it's impossible to get over things. I can't get over things. I have to get through them. And getting through them is so much harder and it takes so much longer. <laughs> Heaven forbid I did something the easy way, right? What fun would that be? I can tell you that I've learned previously that you got to love yourself first before you can change. And just as important, you have to take responsibility for the things that make your life more difficult. Those are two things that nobody else can do for you. The thing that sucks is that for people like him, for people like me, maybe for someone like you, those are two of the hardest fucking things to do. I scoff at advanced calculus. What I will say is that once you take that step and you're able to look in the mirror and face the person you really are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, those who love you will be there to help. Because whatever and wherever your promised land is, you can't get there by yourself. And more than that, I hope you don't get there by yourself. Thank God for small miracles, though. <laughs> I found this whole thing out right after recording the 50th episode. And I happen to be three quarters in the bag already. And I think that very much softened the landing for me. It was a strange feeling. Everything came to a grinding halt. I wasn't thinking about my marriage. I wasn't thinking about my job, my responsibilities, this podcast, my ever dwindling bank account, chores, errands, friends, plans. My brain flushed like a giant toilet. And for the first time in, I don't know, maybe ever, I had nothing on my mind. And you know what? James would have fucking loved that. He was the ultimate nihilist. He would always get on my ass about how I was thinking too much. As if I wasn't aware of that already. And he was the first one to bring it up to me. The next day after I found out, I had a few baked in errands that I had to run. And autopilot doesn't even begin to explain how my brain was functioning. I went to Costco and I had all the usual bitches and complaints that I've told on the show before, but they didn't even register in my head. I was walking through crowds of people and it felt like everything was on mute, but also the silence was deafening. I don't know how to explain it. I couldn't really see or focus on anything. And I'm really not sure what that feeling is. What sucks is that I'm going to have to feel it a few more times, unfortunately, before I can really wrap my brain around it. 
it isn't dread or sorrow or even grief as I understand it. I've done all those before. I live in those places. Those are all easy work. Whatever it is, it's not something I'm looking forward to having to unpack, but I know I'm going to have to do it. I want to thank everyone for the ridiculous, humbling, and undeserved amount of support that I've gotten this last week. Texts, phone calls, nudes, a special thank you for that. You know who you are, sir. Offers for coffee and drinks, which I will take everyone up on in time, I promise. My lovely mother-in-law, CJ, and the best brother-in-law in the world, braved coming into the dildo store to bring me a coffee at work and give me a hug. Very wholesome, around 14-inch cocks, all right? I had a few very old friends who knew my brother when he was a kid, door dashed me a couple of pieces of cake from across the country. I fucking love technology. Thank you guys for making me feel like a total fat shit. And I mean that very sincerely. I'd love to give you guys a metaphor about how moist the cake was, but I really feel like right now isn't quite the episode for that. I ate it and I cried. And you guys, I say this next part right from whatever is left of that hole in my chest that I sometimes call my heart. If you hear this, and you feel the need to reach out and say something nice, which isn't necessary, okay? I need you to know that. But of course, it is welcome. I'm not sure how to put this, so please hear what I tell you just as much as listen. Please don't apologize to me or offer condolences for my loss. As kind as that is, that is not the energy for this particular moment. If you do want to reach out, just slide into my DMs real quick and tell me your brother sounds pretty metal. Because he was. I hate the term was. I'm making that particular request because instead of the reminder that he's gone, it's a reminder that he was here. And for me, that is so much more important. The last time I got to talk to him, it was a while back. My mom got him a bed at a house to get clean, and he did his best when he was there. I got to call him and talk to him for just a couple of minutes. I could tell that he was sad, embarrassed, and struggling, but all that mattered to me when I heard his voice was that he was my brother. I gave him the stock words of encouragement, and I told him I was proud of him for working on himself. And the last sentence he ever said to me at the end of that phone call was, love and respect, brother. And the last thing I said to him in response was, I'll love you beyond my dying breath. I didn't get to hug him. I didn't get to tell him how grateful I was that we got to grow up together. But as far as goodbyes go, I feel like it could have been a hell of a lot worse. For song of the week... Oh boy, this one's going to be tough. It would make a lot of sense to pick a song by his favorite band, Megadeth, who I also love, or Metallica, or Testament, who we both love, one of those metal shits. But there is a song in particular that has always made me think of him, especially when things started going in the wrong direction. And I think 
particularly after this week. It couldn't be more poignant and appropriate. And I'd love for you guys to take just a couple more minutes and listen to this one because the words hit you very hard no matter who you are. Song of the week this week is Change by Blind Melon. Head over to the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify and give yourself permission to feel something for a few more minutes. And now I got to move on for two reasons. Firstly, as Tony Stark said, part of the journey is the end. And you can't make me like that part, but I do have to accept it. And second, Berg, the sun is going to come up tomorrow, no matter how I'm feeling. And in every way, both big and small, I have work to do. I got to keep moving. Next week is going to be your regularly scheduled episode 50. And you guys, it is a fucking masterpiece. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Cheers to all of you that are listening and to all of your brothers and sisters. And special thanks, love, and gratitude to Mr. Sauce, Mr. President, the Queen of Dicks, and Last Minute Charlie. You guys mean the world to me. I'll see you next week. I hope everyone is doing incredible. I love you, James. James.